0: Hi, I'm Nick Gregoraitis, and this is the Jiu-Jitsu Brotherhood Podcast, the The show for grapplers and martial artists that want to evolve both on and off the mat. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Jiu-Jitsu Brotherhood Show. I am Nick Gregoraitis, author of The Black Belt Blueprint, and I thank you for tuning in to share this episode with me. So before we get started with the guest, Michael Cotillis, I just want to let you guys know I've been announcing it over the last few episodes of the podcast. Things are going to be changing. The show is going to be moving in a, a new direction. I'm not going to get into the specifics just yet. I'll save that for when I reveal it to you guys on the show. I'll tell you everything that's happening. But that's going to be in about two episodes time. So it's all positive stuff. I think you guys are going to really appreciate where we're going with it but just want want to prepare you guys and let you know that things are going to be changing. So in this episode with Michael Katillis, I want to apologize in advance to you guys and it's going to be difficult for me to explain, but I'll try. There were points in this episode where I sounded pretty negative and pretty down, and the reason for that primarily is that you know when you're immersed in jiu-jitsu and have been immersed in jiu-jitsu for as long as I have, you unfortunately get to see all aspects of it including the negative ones and at the time Michael and I recorded this show I had I just seen something online I can't even remember what it was but it was something that just was a prime example of this weird tendency towards thuggery that I I notice is happening in jiu-jitsu which is something that I find really distasteful and it's really not what I'm about you know like these videos of guys using jiu-jitsu to beat people up and this kind of like this weird mentality that i don 't know it's just it 's just not me anymore. I think it might have been me when I was twenty, and I was all about trying to prove how tough I was, but now it, it doesn 't interest me, and if i 'm honest, it kind of repulses me and At the time we recorded this episode i 'd just been exposed to something pertaining to that aspect of the art or the trend that 's emerged in the art and i just I was just pretty down on it. Let the truth be told. So if that comes across in the episode I am sorry guys I I still love jujitsu and I still want to keep putting good stuff out there but someone once said to me that jujitsu when you've been doing it long enough it's like um it's like any relationship right there's there's ups and downs right and there's times where I mean even with my wife I fucking love her to pieces nothing I wouldn't do for her but sometimes we we have a fight and momentarily dislike each other and I guess it's the same with with jujitsu, you know, there was just a point where I was just a little bit down on it. So I just want you guys to understand that, you know, Michael's such a good guy, such a wonderful human being. I haven't known him very long, but he's a deeply spiritual man, deeply compassionate man, and someone who is putting, I think he's, he's one of the lights in jujitsu. You know, there's this trend that is kind of like this emerging darkness of thuggery and egocentrism and, Michael is on the other end of the spectrum. He's really using the art to help people and help further morality and, and justice and truth. And that to me is, oh, it's wonderful. I, I absolutely appreciate that. And that's why I wanted to have him on the show. So I hope you guys enjoy the upcoming episode, despite my seeming negativity. And without further ado, here is Michael Catillus. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Jiu-Jitsu Brotherhood show. I'm your host, Nick O'Garattis, and I'm joined today by my relatively new friend, Michael Catellis, who runs Lake Effect Martial Arts out in Buffalo, New York. He's a very good black belt, very good human being as well, and I wanted to have him on the show. After knowing him for only a short while, I knew he was the kind of person who was on, on my wavelength and on uh, the listeners' wavelength, and uh, we managed to make it happen. Michael, thanks for coming on the show, my brother.
1: Nick, thank you for having me. Let's start off with a joke, if you don't mind. <laughs> hit me all right so i you know i'm i'm well aware of who you are and you know when we first physically met about 2 minutes in you gave me a bit of a lesson you told me not to put my cell phone in between my legs to keep <laughs> my cell phone away from my balls apparently so <laughs> yes yeah. for
0: that i do <laughs> I actually remember that. Yeah, okay. I should have known better. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> I, the only reason I found out about that is through I think it was one of Tim Ferriss's books, and where he showed that what was it that men who carried their mobile phones in their front pockets had vastly decreased levels of or decreased sperm count because apparently it was. I don't know, basically castrating through the radiation. I don't know if that's true, but it's not a chance I want to take, right? Absolutely not. No.
1: Yeah. I mean, maybe maybe if I carry around a little bit more, I don't have to get snipped, but we'll
0: see. <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah. Michael, you know what I think uh, where we should start, because you, you're a very interesting guy. I know you've got a lot of cool stuff to share, is maybe with how you came to, to be the owner of lake effect martial arts because it's kind of different to the way the average person becomes a a jiu-jitsu academy owner
1: okay yeah so i was renting mat space in in a back room of a wrestling academy and uh you know i i I had left a prior academy that i was teaching at for quite some time uh just kind of differences of ethics and opinions between myself and, and the owner head instructor and uh you know, I, I became somewhat uh, cordial with the owner of the wrestling academy, and he had come up to me and be like, man, I'm I'm not doing so well on on money, and you know, here and there, I'd pay the rent and maybe a little bit more. I'd do some favors here and there, and you know, then he came up to me, I guess, like, gosh, I'm trying to just do the math here, maybe like seven months later, and he he had said, you know, it was just as blunt as possible. What do you think about taking over the lease? And it really, you know, struck me by surprise. I I did not have those sort of intentions. But at the time I was building students quite well and I didn't want to give up on them. And I didn't want to give up on my pursuit to kind of eventually head my own academy. And so ended up working out perfectly.
0: I mean your and the thing is it's not just like uh... That you you fell into this position of of having your own dedicated academy space and that, and that it's it's a low grade space it's a it's a legit academy it's, I mean the place has got a steam room in it which blew my mind when I first arrived there and we we trained a little bit and you're like oh let's hit the steam room and I was like damn man your academy's got a steam room in it that's pretty cool and it's it's a big area and it's got a dedicated conditioning component and it's not just like someone gave you a little. Few hundred square foot room and said, "Hey, do you want to take this over?" They basically you took over a, a big, a big space, dude. It's very impressive.
1: Thank you. Yeah, it's I think about sixty three hundred square feet in totality, which is a lot. Yeah we're, yeah, we're very fortunate, very blessed, and obviously it's not just me. You know, as part of the academy, I, gosh, there's so many amazing coaches here that kind of came together and really said, "Guys, this is this is a fantastic opportunity. Let's seize the day." You know.
0: Yeah, it's funny. I, I've been to a couple of places in upstate New York, and uh, my experiences at both of those places have led me to the perspective that there's something about that part of the United States in particular, whereby you guys take martial arts and jujitsu pretty seriously. It seems to be, it's taken more seriously than any other places. Do, do you know what I'm talking about? Sure. Yeah, cold weather builds character, right? That's kind of one of our mottos over here. Like, Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I just thought it was kind of interesting to me because you were saying how there's all these kind of rivalries and but you were saying to me, if you if you roll with the guys before the seminar, you're likely to get a bigger turnout and all these little things that led me to believe like, wow, these guys take this really, really seriously. I, it just, it blew my mind. I was like, I'd expect that in Rio or San Diego or LA or something like that, but out in Buffalo, New York, which is a, I don't want to say it's the middle of nowhere, but it's quite an isolated not isolated, but it's a smaller part of the United States or an older part of the United States. And it just, I found it very fascinating. There's this very sort of, I didn't get the vibe from you, but I, I got a general kind of tough guy vibe, like as opposed to these dudes are just doing for sport and for fun. Does that makes sense?
1: I can see that for sure. Yeah. I mean, that's, and I'm glad you said you didn't get that vibe from me. It's kind of, I've always felt like I was a square peg in a round hole in the, you know, jujitsu scene locally, I've never felt like, uh, I I fit too well or fit too perfectly, but that's a good thing too. You know,
0: I think so. It's actually, uh, you know, I I think you and I had a long conversation about this and I think it can be, it can be misconstrued and I could probably lose a lot of my audience by being honest. And I could, you know, so part of me thinks otherwise thing to do is just pretend that everything's okay. But I, I don't, I don't think everything is okay with jiu-jitsu at the moment. I I don't think uh, the the fact that a guy like you doesn't really fit in sometimes is to me evidence that everything is not really okay. And, you know, I think what happens is this tendency is a guy comes into jiu-jitsu and it's so cool. And he's never done anything that in which he has gained such a a sense of mastery over himself and developed skills as quickly as he has with jiu-jitsu. And he he's kind of on a high, you know, and, and he, then he thinks jiu-jitsu is the beginning and the end of everything. It becomes his whole world. And very often, and, and the only reason I feel qualified to talk about this is because I was definitely that guy. Definitely. I always joke, when I started jiu-jitsu, if you told me, if you had told me Hickson could breathe underwater, I would have, I would have seriously considered that. I would have still, like maybe he's telling the truth. Um, <laughs> the religion of
1: jujitsu, right?
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, I just, uh, I think it's, it's, just, it's not cool that a guy like you has to say he doesn't fit in because to me, you're, you are the kind of guy we need more of in jujitsu. We need more people with strong morals and strong ethics and, people who are more balanced and who don't just think training seven days a week is all that is required to live a full life. Or they don't just think that if someone's a world champion or, or a high level black belt, that they are literally a higher level person because that's just, it's, it's been my experience. That that's just not the case. You know, it's just not. Well,
1: thank you for the compliments. I will say though, that I'm kind of glad in retrospect that I didn't fit in. I like when people underestimate me. It's, probably my favorite thing in this life, you know, it's, it's, it motivates me and it makes me work harder. And when people underestimate (laughs) me, it's, it's like the ultimate driving force, but yeah, you know, (laughs) I I just got done reading. I I read it a while ago and I don't think I processed it. Well, uh, the abolition of man, CS Lewis book. And I, I think the quote, gosh, I can't remember exactly, but the quote went along the lines of uh, something like we build men without chests and expect virtue and enterprise and it really stuck out to me
0: so literally taking it literally it's men who haven't had any sort of physical training or any physicality and um, i guess figuratively he's referring to people who don't carry themselves well in the world i think it was more figurative i don't think it was there was any literal
1: component to it i think i mean he's he's a very deep writer so you have to spend time digesting it but yeah, and and it really stuck out to me, and I said to myself, like, that's I think that that's where the divide. You know, we've been in operation; it'll be three years in June between myself and some of the other people that I haven't seen eye to eye with, or perhaps myself and some of the other people uh, in the local scene that I haven't seen eye to eye with. It's just kind of like it's a an opportunity for for some money or for a good time for a short amount of time, and I think I think it's a lot more to it than that. You know, we're we're building people, we're building character, so. Mm. I mean, even if we only get these people for, for what, a year, even if we only get the opportunity to put a blue belt around their waist, you know, I mean, that's, that's still being like quite giving you know, a year and a blue belt, but still.
0: For sure. Uh, it's an important role. We have a very important role. I, I agree. Coming back to the, the men without chests analogy, you know, I, I had someone, a listener hit me up a while back and he said, Oh, I'd really love to see, this person on your show and this person's um a young upcoming competitor and I, I i just i didn't say this to him but my initial reaction was like why why would i have that guy on my show there's besides besides being phenomenally talented at jujitsu jitsu mean the kid's like he's not even 20 and <laughs> i don't like I, I don't just want to have a guy on you who's just gonna to talk to me about jiu-jitsu i want to have a guy who's got You know, I've seen some stuff in life and who's got some morals and he's got an interesting tale to tell, not just some kid who can tap other people out, because that you know, that was the yardstick by which I used to measure people. How good are they at physical combat? Literally, that was I didn't I didn't care if you were Mother Teresa or Satan himself, as long as you were good at jujitsu. That was all that was the yardstick by which I measured people. And I think it was a very powerful wake-up call to me that that isn't necessarily well, that isn't an intelligent way to to measure people and, and yourself included, right? It's just it's so it's so small minded and and linear. And there's so many more dimensions to human beings. And uh, you spoke about hero worship in jujitsu, and man, it's it's a it's a real thing, dude. It's a real it's a thing we have to get over. We truly have to get over it.
1: No, you're right. You know, with. Uh... With regards to skill sets, it's all perishable. It's a fleeting thing. You're not going to be on at your peak for 30 years. And if you believe that, you're you're kidding yourself. There's no fountain of youth out there, and there's you know really there's no pre supplement or post supplement or whatever you want to call it that's going to fulfill that. Uh, I feel uh, there's a really good quote uh, Ed Wallach. He says nature will only tolerate bigness for so long. Uh, And by the way, I really, I really recommend reading into him. I mean, it's some really prophetic stuff, but he, uh, it it, it talks about just kind of like idolatry and you can, you can fall into the trap of idolizing yourself too. And I see that like so much on Instagram right now, Mm -hmm. you know, hashtag, uh, hashtag, check me out. Hashtag, look at all the food that I eat. I spend a hundred dollars a day on exotic food, uh, hashtag, uh, you know, check out my medals, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> uh, hashtag extenuate the positive. I, I, everything's always positive, always positive mindset, 100%. You know, like, mm-hmm. it's just, it, it's a trap. It's a trap. Mm-hmm. It's, it, it's an incomplete ideology and we have to be precautious of these things. You know, I mean, I, don't get me wrong. I really, there's a lot of people I admire in jujitsu and some of them were fantastic competitors. But hopefully that's just a part of their journey just a
0: apart mm-hmm. you know for sure yeah and, and i want to make it clear the the guys that used to hear a worship i still think they're incredibly skilled people and they, they worked very hard to get where they where they are and i respect them do i do i necessarily admire them some of them yes because they've demonstrated to me other qualities you know off the mat you know like my my an example, he's not, a, he's not a competitor, but my my very close friend and uh, one of my business partners who helps me with Jiu-Jitsu Brotherhood, that guy, he's a black belt and he's a good black belt, but he's never won any tournaments. But do I trust him completely? Because I've seen that the guy has got morals and he's a family man and he does everything to 100% of his ability and he doesn't cheat on his wife. And he's you know he's just a good, upstanding well-rounded balanced human being and to me that means way more than oh he tapped three dudes out in a row on some competition you know what i mean like it just it's not even comparable and i i just wish i could go back to that young nick and just shake him and say dude wake the fuck up like you know like jujitsu isn't isn't everything right it's it's yeah it's just it's just something i've been thinking about for a long long time now and when i was with you in uh, buffalo it's kind of um reignited my um interest in it yeah the jiu-jitsu lotharios they need
1: to go if we want to see growth you know more participation with women in jiu-jitsu, that needs to end and not not tomorrow or not today but yesterday it's i think that that's one of the biggest issues that we have and you know all these petitions for you know equality and uh prize money for tournaments that's i can see why people. Believe that that would make a difference, but I think that the bigger difference would be men being men.
0: Yeah, which is it's a tough one. It's a tough one, dude. I mean, I remember when I was before I got married, and I was traveling the world teaching jiu-jitsu And you know, you're a guy who rolls up to a new place, and you've got some some sort of skill or some sort of name. And you know, if there's an attractive single woman in the class, like I might take right. my chances. You know, like it. it just so I I don't. And, but having said that, looking back, I did some pretty, pretty douchebag type things, uh, especially as as a, when I wore a younger man shoes. And uh, sure as fuck, not proud of it now. Looking back, and uh, I think that anyone listening who's who finds themselves in the same position, you might want to, even though it's pretty easy, and that's pretty pretty much every guy's dream to just have like, you know, chicks in different cities all over the world and stuff like. Ultimately, I think it ends up costing you more in certain ways. You're absolutely right. It costs a piece of your own heart too. <laughs> yeah. you're just
1: not aware of it. Now your damaged goods for when you finally meet the right person.
0: Yeah, there's some, there's definitely something to be said for that. It's definitely. I mean, there's another guy who we had in the podcast. Uh, I won't say his name, but he was a great guest, and he was saying he was working at a an academy, and the owner of the academy who was working for. He would just sleep with. Every, A every woman that came to train, and B all the mothers of the kids in the class, like, and he would be breaking up families and breaking up marriages, and he just had no no uh, qualms about it. You know, he had, and my my friend just one day just lost it because for the, the umpteenth time someone left the academy because there'd been some sort of drama or some some bullshit, and he just said. He said to this guy, he said, I wish this academy would stop being about you and your dick. <laughs> I love it. And the <laughs> guy which I, I thought that was really, really cool. I thought that was but the thing is the guy, he couldn't he couldn't really process it. I mean, I, I guess maybe he was a psychopath or a sociopath or something, it just didn't mean anything to him, you know? And yeah, I think there's a lot of that in jujutsu and the sooner we get rid of it, the better.
1: Yeah, there's too much of it. And I, I mean there's there's room for error, but there's you know also room for growth. when people are young. And I don't, I should be clear too. I started jujitsu at 25. I'll be 39 next month. So I was very fortunate to where I kind of, I didn't really need to use it as a opportunity for being single, but it, it definitely, it hurts the scene. It hurts uh, the community immensely. And there's, there's a lot of things that we could do differently.
0: So let's talk about, which has been a big theme in the show for a while, but people seem to be really interested in this right now. Uh, and, I, and I understand why your academy seems to be very successful. And what do you think distinguishes a jiu-jitsu academy and makes it stand out as a, a successful business and be a cool place to go and train?
1: Oh man, I'm trying not to sound preachy when I say this. So <laughs> I think we're in the business of improving people and, you know, we're not in the business of, of podium pitchers and measuring contests We're to improve what we can in a short amount of time that we have with people in three key areas, mind, body, and soul. And we're, we're leaving one of those parts out. We just are, and we, we're not fully aware of it. You know, I think for us, something I always emphasize with the coaches is be relatable, be welcoming. I talk to them about our vision. We don't compromise on that vision. You have to love what you do. Yeah. You can't. Act, you can't walk into an academy and be like, man. I don't want to be here today because, you know. Like for example, today is Dingus Day. I'm half Polish. It's a big deal for the Polish community in Buffalo. I'm going to be teaching today. Mm-hmm. I, there's no qualms about that. I, I'm happy to be here. You know, remembering that love is not just tolerating others. Love can make demands, and love is a test. And I mean, you you can love your students too. It's it's a totally okay thing to do. Uh, we kind of. Also, have this thing of huh, this is funny. This is like the first real conversation I've had about jujitsu in a long time. So I'm trying to be as, as truthful as possible. Yeah, go for it. We don't hire or even offer coaching opportunities to those that we don't see uh, or we don't share the greater good or the same vision. It's just not going to happen. And it's, it's weird because there's going to be people that are more accomplished, probably than even me, you know, uh, in terms of competition credentials or in terms of like, how many people they may be able to bring in. But if you're not in line with us, it's just, it's not part of the vision. And and I think that right now, there's so many people that see the vision. And to be clear, we're just a jiu-jitsu academy that offers one boxing class a week right now. And and we're hanging in there with all the top academies in the area. Uh, I think that student-wise, we might have surpassed the uh, you know the other top just jiu-jitsu academy in the area. So that's that's a big... In- in less than three years, it's a big feather in our cap,
0: you know? And you feel that's directly because you've addressed the three different components, spiritual, mental, and physical, as opposed to just two or even one of those three.
1: I think it's part of it.
0: I think the other part is that
1: character is our brand. I don't even know if you know this. I didn't know this until like two weeks ago. Uh, I just learned the word character, Mm -hmm. character in Greek. It means brand. It's fascinating, right? You know, but, uh, I didn't I didn't know that that is fascinating. That is cool. And it really means a lot. Like it's hard. It's hard to downplay if someone is just making an awesome media push for your academy. You know, like oh, watch me go compete, watch me do this, watch me do that. It's hard to downplay it, but you have to be you have to think long term too, you know, with these people. and what is the long term? Is the long term just they have their own growth potential or their own growth desires, and and that's fine too, and, and they can coexist. But you have to be you have to be careful with that. You can't run, and I and I ran with that accidentally too. To be clear, you know, I make mistakes. I learn from them, and and admitting that I've made mistakes seems to be quite human. And I'll tell you, I've been to a lot of academies where you know the hierarchy and the hero worship. I don't see any of that, and, and I've been to so I've probably been every academy i've ever wanted
0: to you know in, in the united states mm-hmm. yeah that's that's interesting that's very very interesting yeah i just uh so much comes to mind when you when you bring these things up uh, when you spoke about the vision i was just thinking of um when i i first sent you out that email saying i was going to be in the area and um wanting to know if you'd wanted to host a, a seminar and one of the things you sent back to me is you said i i think I'm paraphrasing. It was some, something along the lines of, um, in principle, I'm open to this, but we have had seminars in the past where it's been a bit of a cash grab. And I I, and I totally got it. I was like, yeah. I, I, because it, you see that a lot, a lot in Jiu-Jitsu where it's, to me, that's, that's where I became most jaded is when I started Jiu-Jitsu, I, I, I really wanted it to be about something more, about the spiritual path and this like rite of passage in this road to, to masculinity. And then it very quickly became clear to me that there are a lot of people in the sport who, or in the art who A, are not ethical and moral and B, are just in it for the money. Literally, they just want to arrive in the United States and make some money, open an academy and make some cash and like milk the gringo as much as they can. You know, and not all of them, obviously. I'm like, again, I'm not, it's quite a sweeping statement and I really don't mean that about all Jiu-Jitsu instructors, but there is a lot of that. And, you know, I I get it. People got to make a living. I I sell Jiu-Jitsu related programs and I I monetize what I do in Jiu-Jitsu. I get that, but it's just, I just wish it was done with a little bit more, I don't know, just honor and integrity, I guess is the best way to put it.
1: Yeah, integrity is... It seems to be a thing that's uh no longer part of the the virtues as as much as we'd like it to be, right I don't know i It's such an important quality in people, and uh we, we can't lose it we can't lose it to sure. social media and to the way that we're supposed to market ourselves nowadays like we have to be careful i mean I, I'm of the belief that the way we market and it's it's definitely a powerful driving force it has to have integrity you know yeah. like I always feel like if I see somebody that's always, again, just like believe in yourself, I'm the epitome of health. Look at these foods. Look at how awesome I am. Look at me at the beach. Look at how many times I travel. Like, I feel like something's awry. You know what I mean? Like if yeah, I were a student, I just want to join a community. I don't want to join a, like a rich self-worshipping cult. And uh, I'm sorry to use yeah. that, but I, I use that too, because you sent me that link that talking about, uh, is jujitsu a cult? And, and, I have sometimes wondered myself, like, what am I in right now? You know, like, where am I at this point? But I don't think that the right people are in that frame of mind. I think that, you know, just kind of the wrong people got into it for the wrong reasons are. so, Yeah,
0: for sure. And the vast majority of people in Jiu-Jitsu are pretty cool and balanced and well-rounded. And I think there is a tendency, my own tendency... Look, if you've been in any career for long enough, you do get a little bit jaded and there's no doubt about it. I'm a little bit jaded, but at the same time, I still see the beauty of jujitsu and I still meet these amazing people. Like I met when I was on that seminar tour and I met I met you and I met like three or four other really cool guys, you know, really cool, great people. And I think that that is the, the, the benefits and the positives of jujitsu far outweigh all these negatives we've been discussing. And it's just important that sometimes they are brought to light just so that we can help keep it, keep it pure, right. Or keep it, or help keep it improving. And we don't want to sweep this stuff under the rug. Right.
1: No, I mean, there's, there's way more pros and cons, you know, we have to be careful. And I think that you and I are kind of at a similar path where our bodies are, we're starting to say, Hey buddy, you've got to be more conscientious of, uh, of what's <laughs> going on, here, you know? And, and yeah. that's kind of a game, like a mental game that we're playing right now. But, there are more pros and cons. It is a beautiful community. They're the brotherhood that you can build with people that you've probably trained three times a week, four times a week with for a decade or more. That is, I, I hope that that's everlasting. I, I mean, I hope that I see pictures of guys that used to be, you know, training partners at a, an academy as friends in nursing homes 50 years from now. Yeah. I, I'd love to see that. I know. Yeah. Some, you know what I mean?
0: That's, no, the, that's, that's, that's fantastic. Cool. So, yeah, no, I think about that a lot. I think about that a lot. <laughs> what is it going to be like when we're all old and busted up? You know, uh, I, I sometimes see like um, Mauricio Gomez, Roger's dad, and he's friends with uh, Jacare uh, Romero. And sometimes I remember seeing them once together at a tournament, and they were both in their like late fifties or early sixties, and they were just they're good buddies. You know, and they were just catching up, and I was like, damn that's cool. You know, these old, old school jiu icons. And I was like, I wonder if that's what I'm going to be like with some of my jiu buddies someday, you know, like, uh, we're still buddies. We, we came up together and we've known each other for years and it's, I guess it will be right. It, it will be. That's, it's just a community at the end of the day. It's just a community like any other, except we put on pajamas and roll around on the floor trying to strangle each other. <laughs> yeah. I
1: don't think that, uh, Jacques and, and, uh, I don't think they're going to be like popping out of their uh, wheelchairs in their eighties, like challenging each other, uh, you know, yeah. yeah. I, I think that they're mature enough. And I, I love that too, that they, they what they've built, they can kind of just sit back on now and, and, and appreciate. And it's beautiful. It's totally beautiful. So I was going to say about the traveling instructors and the, and the, and the cash grabs and whatnot. And, I, you know, first I wanted to say that your seminar was fantastic. I would recommend you to anyone. But then more so, I was really impressed with how quickly you were able to dial in to your audience. And, uh, you know, that was clearly a result of you fine tuning that for how long have you been do, uh, traveling and doing seminars now for?
0: Oh, man, it's, it's over a decade now. Like 13 yeah. years, maybe. It shows. It shows. Thank you, my brother. I
1: appreciate that. Yeah. I truly, so, truly appreciate that. No, it really does. I mean, I would recommend you to anyone, and it's everything is reasonable about it too. So thank God for that. So
0: thank you, Will. I appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, you know, I wanted to ask you. I think the listeners will greatly appreciate your insights. You're you're someone who's been to Brazil quite a few times, right? At least at least twice. I wish just once. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, you even once. Okay, okay. So that was yeah. the first, when we spoke on email. That was like, your first trip to Brazil yes yes oh i didn't know that okay and 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 would you like to share a little bit about your experience there because i think that's a lot of people's dream is to go train in brazil sure
1: yeah um you know i, I went on a uh it was a summer camp it was december but it's the summer in december with uh, professor pedro fernandez who is an instructor at uh, fabio clemente in new york city a fantastic academy we're associated with them Fantastic people. And I I went kind of just on, I was committing, but I was not fully committing until I said, I got to go do this. And I've always had that on my bucket list. And it was a wonderful, wonderful experience. We were in Sacarema, which is uh, two hours away from Rio Mm -hmm. for a little while. And then we went to Rio. And, you know, I I mean, there were some great parts to it. Copacabana was very different than Ipanema to me. I mean, it's just like, just down the road, gosh, like three quarters of a mile, maybe. And yeah. just totally different scenes, you know, but mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think the thing that really struck me uh, there, and I, I had read about this before, was there's a lot of uh, class differences. Mm. And I remember we were, I, I had just got out of uh, Fight Zone, uh, Fight Zone, uh, Rio. Mm-hmm. And gosh, I mean, maybe like, Two blocks away, and there are these children in the street, and they were, they had burn marks from asphalt. I was just really taken back by that. Yeah, yeah they were laying in the street, and they were young. I'm telling you, they were maybe like four, five years old at the oldest, and uh, it just didn't seem to really face anybody. And for me, you know, I, I, I'm a full time social worker. Like, I froze, I froze for a long time. And I was like, I yeah, these kids at least. At least water or something. This is mm-hmm. this is disturbing. And I think the class differentials there are very, very strong. And huge, that's something huge. that stood out. That's it's something that stood out. But you know what else stood out that was, you know, really wonderful was just when you really got comfortable with someone, even if there was a language barrier, that there seemed to be a genuine appreciation or just the humanity of one another, which was really great. I was not mm-hmm. picking up Portuguese in like some sort of rapid pace or anything so mm-hmm. there were pros and cons like anywhere else you know this beautiful place if you're thinking about it i'd recommend it but you know mm-hmm. just it's probably best if you're not super fluent in portuguese to tag up with somebody you know yeah definitely
0: definitely yeah, yeah. You know, i went to Brazil for the first time i want to say it's going on 15 years ago uh, maybe even 16 years ago and it was I don't want to say I loved it and I don't want to say I hated it because the truth is I loved it and I hated it. Right. You know, there were certain aspects where I was like, this place is paradise. And other aspects where I thought, man, this is this is a slum. You know, this place is a dump. And it's just I guess you have to take the good with the bad. And that's part of the beauty of it. You know, it's the same, same in where I'm from, South Africa, that massive. Uh, gulf between the haves and the have-nots. It's really it's it's difficult when you've been living in a first world country for a long time, or if you've if you've grown up in a first world country. When you're confronted by that, you know, when I go home to South Africa every couple of years, you know, having lived here in the states and having lived in England for a long time, every time I get home, it's jarring for me. Like at every traffic light, there's there's someone begging, you know, and there's just poverty all around, and it's it's there's so much poverty that there's nothing you can do about it either one man cannot make a difference. Sure. You can donate or you can start a foundation or something, but it's, it's not going to make a dent in the endemic class divide. And I think that that can really weigh on your soul. man. after a while being around that, it's, it's, it's difficult for me, at least I found that very difficult about Brazil. Yeah. I saw a lot of
1: kids, you know, selling snacks in the middle of the highway or what Seems to me like the highway. They probably have a different name for it, but mm-hmm. there's something to be said about communities, maybe even perhaps uh, ideologies that prioritize charity as a principle. Mm-hmm. And I think that first world countries we prioritize accidentally fashion and fast cars and you know the latest greatest foods and you know it's funny. Um, if we're to discipline ourselves in athletics and jujitsu, right? If we're to truly discipline ourselves, I mean, how disciplined are we if we're, again, spending a $100 a day eating? That's to me not that all, you know, not that impressive. Or how disciplined are we if you have to have $250, you know, one time a year release keys and all these things? Yeah. And again, I've been guilty of these things. I'm not saying I'm not, but I think as I get older, I see the errors and hopefully again, I believe you and I are the same age. Am I correct in that? Yeah, I'm 39. Okay. I'll be 39 next month. So Mm -hmm. yeah, hopefully we kind of, we get hard on ourselves about that. I mean, that's, that's what life is about is, you know, wisdom and not being an acorn any longer, becoming an oak tree. But if I told my daughter I was an oak tree right now, she would yell into the other room and tell me that I was an acorn. It's kind of our (laughs) inside running show.
0: Right. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's cool. No, I, so, the last question I'll ask you um, today, and I'm sure we'll have you back on the show, Michael, is it's very obvious. It's obvious if you've spent time around you, and it's probably reasonably obvious if you're listening to the show that, that you're a man of faith. In particular, you're, you're a Catholic and a Christian. And I'd be very interested to know how that faith has played a role in your jujitsu journey, or maybe even how your jujitsu journey has played a role in your, in your faith. Yeah, so I'm gonna have
1: to do a dingus day shout out again to uh, Pope John Paul II, who is now a saint. Man is more valuable for what he is than what he has. I mean, that's a powerful statement, a very powerful statement. Yes. If you're a Netflix junkie, and know there's a lot of you out there, check out his documentary. It's not even very, you know, like religious based. It's just about how he, through prayer and you know, a lot of meditation man managed to challenge and in a way uh not single-handedly but challenge communism i think that is we're going to be learning about that for for centuries you know um for me it's like i don't know it's, it's entirely logical to want to look beyond the belts that's a logical thing right i mean you get to black belt you're like okay what's next so I mean, the art's still relatively new and we're finally seeing it for the first time uh like finally seeing for the first time like large Quantities of practitioners make seemingly lifelong commitments to the art. It's like both beautiful and dangerous. Beautiful in that it can truly help you transcend the younger version of you. But dangerous because like one, a saturated market means maybe a more cutthroat business approach. And and two, because people can really get lost in the journey. Let's stay on the path of beauty though, I guess. And, you know, what jujitsu, in my opinion, it can do is discipline you in areas that you previously lacked discipline in. Routine is a form of self-discipline, but like what happens when you can't transfer that routine beyond the short term for focus of like the self, you know, in my humble opinion, it's, it's time to seek God, you know, like I, I, you know, the, uh, I, I don't want to joke and sing the song cause I'll probably lose listeners, but <laughs> you say you want to, rev- you say you want a revolution, the Beatles, right? You know, yeah. uh, let's say it's, it's the natural evolution. That's the way I look at it. It's the natural evolution. And that's kind of why I was messing with you a little bit.
0: <laughs> in our yeah. conversations yeah i remember i remember yeah <laughs> michael man it's been a great pleasure chatting to you and uh it's very cool for me to meet people such as yourself who yeah you're just a, just an upstanding man and an upstanding man with great jujitsu which doesn't always doesn't always go hand in hand and as i said earlier in the show it's great that there's people like you out there if you are in the upstate new york area traveling or moving there and you're looking for a place to train, I cannot recommend Michael's Academy enough. It's Lake Effect Martial Arts. And I'll put a link in the show notes on the site. Anyone you want to give a shout out to, or anywhere you could um, suggest the listeners go if they want to hear more about you or find out more about you besides your site?
1: Oh, man. I guess I'm not that interested in myself. But <laughs> check out, yeah, our, our, we have a Facebook page, Lake Effect Martial Arts. We have an Instagram page, we have our website. Like effect dot com it's being redone, but uh yeah, please visit us. We love visitors, we're very hospitable. we're not the kind of place that uh you know we're just gonna size you up as, are you tough? okay, thank you now get out of here. that's not our, like our mode and Buffalo is a a wonderful place to visit. It's a wonderful place to visit, especially in the summertime i I think I put our city up against. Any major metropolitan city, especially during the summertime, in terms of things to do and things to experience in scenic areas. I, I guess if you wouldn't mind, Nick, if I could just kind of give a few thanks to some of my old professors and, you know. Sure. Yeah, of course, man. A couple of takeaways from each professor that I've ever had. Uh, Michael Dallenhauer is one of my former professors. He taught me that business is a hell of a lot tougher than I thought. And he also taught me to not be all over the damn place when it comes to exploring techniques. And I'm grateful for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Professor Eric has taught me that being a married man means being devoted to your wife, despite what opportunities may arise and how hard the, boy, <laughs> the boys club can now, like steer you in a different direction, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, Professor uh, Jeff Jocelyn has taught me that celebrity can be grounded in their approach and that charity is part of the martial arts family. Professor Jacare Cavacante, he's taught me that prayer on the mats is part of the martial arts family, and he's taught me that being empathetic for uh, those who overdo it is another element of being a strong teacher. I remember uh, back, I think 2010, I went to their first pants camp, or not their first, but like a pants camp, and people were just doing three or four days, and he was adding uh, yoga, and people were mad, like, "No, I'm here to train," and he's like, "Yeah, I'm here to take care of you." And I thought that was. Awesome. I thought that was so <laughs> That's great. Awesome. That is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And then Professor Fabio Clemente, he's taught me just basically through modeling, you know, really, that he's teaching me that fatherhood is the most desirable job out there, but it's probably one of the most difficult too. And he teaches me not to shy away from my children when things in jujitsu can be too challenging. So thank you all, all of you, for really teaching me. I wouldn't be here today. Yeah, they, they clearly did a good job as well,
0: my man. Clearly. Thank you. Yeah. thank you. I appreciate that. Michael, my brother, blessings on you. Thank you for your time. Thank you for the opportunity. I really appreciate it. I'm sure you guys could glean from that just what a, a good human being Michael is. I really appreciated at the end, how he, he thanked everyone who helped him on his jiu-jitsu journey. And I think that's truly the sign of, of an actualized person is to realize that they didn't do it all on their own, you know, and to, to give credit and uh, and let others shine. I think that's so important it's kind of rare in, in jujitsu because, you know, even jujitsu is such a strange paradox, even though there is this amazing sense of community, especially for competitors is it's a very selfish endeavor. You have to be, you have to be selfish and self-absorbed. There's just no doubt about it. In fact, any, for any elite athlete, you have to be, you have to focus on yourself and your nutrition and your training and your mentality. And it's a very internal, internally focused thing. And, uh, you know, I, I understand that there was a point where I was an extraordinarily selfish young man, and I think that's what allowed me to get good at jiu-jitsu very quickly, but it also stunted my growth and development as a human being in many ways, and it's it's just cool to see that Michael, he hasn't fallen into that trap. You know, it's for him, it's still about helping others and, and making the world and his community a better place, and I thoroughly appreciate and respect that. Michael is, as I'm sure you guys picked up, he's he's quite a... It diligent, I guess is the word, a diligent Catholic, uh, or faithful Catholic, which I'm, I'm not a follower of Catholicism. It's not something I believe in or particularly support, but, uh, I watched a phenomenal movie two years ago, which I, after I found out that Michael was Catholic, I basically bugged him until he watched the movie himself. It's called Silence and it's directed by Martin Scorsese. It's. It's uh I would say without reservation that it's one of the most profoundly moving films that I've ever seen. I mean I'm not gonna spoil it for you guys, but it's it's about the Portuguese Jesuit priests in if I'm not mistaken, the sixteen hundreds or might have been seventeen hundreds, who go to Japan to evangelize Catholicism and Christianity in Japan. And man, it is just such a deeply, deeply powerful and moving film if you're at all interested in japan which as a martial artist you should be or spirituality i thoroughly recommend you watch that movie that silence directed by martin scorsese starring andrew Garfield. so i hope you guys check that out and um as i said at the beginning of the show keep an ear open for the changes coming soon i think this will be the second last episode in the current format one or two more and then we're changing over until then guys peace out